Well, hello. Welcome back to Between the Lines Recovery. I'm Jay Lind, and I'll be your host. This is episode 32 of the podcast, and today I will be interviewing Lexi, a single mom who began her journey into recovery in a slightly unconventional way. I can't wait to hear more about that. But if that's not enough for you, prepare yourself for another installment of Gimme Mo. I'll be checking in with Mo this week as well. We will see what's been coming up in his recovery. But before we get into all of that, just a quick reminder for all of you to take a minute when you're done listening today to please rate, review, and follow Between the Lines Recovery on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you may go to get your podcast fix. You might also want to click the support this podcast link in the episode notes if you'd like to go the extra mile and donate a few bucks a month to the cause. Every dollar you give helps me continue producing and publishing quality content like today's interview with Lexi. Plus, Mo's contract is killing me, to be honest, and I'm not sure how much longer I can afford to have him on the show. Well... That should just about take care of all the necessary housekeeping. Time to get to it. This is the good news. The good news is brought to you by OnStage. OnStage is a theater outreach and audience development program, collaborating with several colleges in and around the Twin Cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul, Minnesota. OnStage uses teaching artists to facilitate in-class discussions about the relevant social, political, and cultural issues that bubble up in plays currently running in local theaters. What an incredibly worthwhile mission it is to broaden the range, reach, and impact of some truly incredible and thought-provoking works of art. To learn more about OnStage or to make a donation to the cause, Check them out at onstagemn.org. That's onstagemn.org. The good news this week comes from the faraway land of New Zealand. Already one of my favorite places in the world, but things just got even better for the Kiwis. The Guardian is reporting that Prime Minister Chris Hipkins revealed his election year budget, which includes several benefits for young children, and their families. Such benefits as free public transportation for all children under 13 and half-price fares for all of those between 14 and 25. Also, children under 2 will now be eligible for 20 hours of state-funded child care every week. And finally, children in New Zealand will now receive the vast majority of their prescribed medications free of charge. I love it. Take care of those kids first. Seems like the right thing to do. Way to go, New Zealand. Good on ya. Anyway, that was the good news. Now let's see what's up with my main man, Mo, in this week's installment of Gimme Mo. All right. Welcome back, Mo. It's good to see you. Uh, how you feeling tonight? Doing really well. Um, just got back from a vacation in Chicago to see family, friends, and eat food. Um, so I'm feeling refreshed back 
home. It's good to be home, but it was great to be in my home home where I first uh, where I first got into the booze. But uh, yeah. it was good to be back. Good to be back in an environment I hadn't been in in a while. Nice. And uh, you managed to stay sober while you were there? Yeah, stayed sober. Um, got presented with, you know, a lot of old triggers of things that I used to drink with and drink at and people I drank with, but wasn't compelled to drink. I'm really happy with my sobriety. And um, the temptation definitely was there because it was a celebratory type vacation, but um, I'm really enjoying my sobriety. So I, it, the temptation came and went. It's really nice. Nice. Uh, well, I'm glad you made it back safe and sound. Um, what are you thinking about talking about tonight? I give me Mo. Yeah, tonight I was going to touch on the subject of anger issues, uh, especially in the later years of your habit and your disease. Um, I I was with a friend and um, he kind of had a really hot temper over something that really didn't make any sense to be all that angry about. And yeah. uh, it, made, it made me think about myself in the latter years of my drinking career and uh, how drinking basically just threw gasoline on already large bonfire of anger that I had in me. All right. That sounds perfect. I've heard of this, uh, this uh, symptom of alcoholism and addiction that sometimes makes us a little bit angry and bitter. So I'm anxious to hear what you have to say. So uh, let it flow. I'll let it flow, man. Thanks. So, yeah, like, when I witnessed this the thing this past week and the anger in my friend's voice and over this pretty silly situation, it got me thinking about how I was that way too, but especially in the latter years of my drinking because drinking used to be a fun thing. Uh, it was a party, it was watching a sporting event, it was at a rock and roll show. But, you know, the last five or eight years of my drinking career, it wasn't really about that. It was isolation, it was depression, it was anger. And uh, I realized that, you know, I, I was angry at the world, I was angry at people, I was angry at things that I really had no control over. And I thought, you know, if I drink, you know, I could get happy, I could forget that I was angry. You know, I could maybe play guitar, I could do something fun, and uh, it wouldn't be there. I would I would start drinking, I would not feel drunk at all, and then all of a sudden I'd be passed out or blacked out, and uh, I would never reach that euphoric place where I was happy. And uh, it got me thinking about how, you know, we all have things that we're upset about or frustrated about or angry with, and, you know, it's so much different to be sober and handling those situations because you can really regulate your feelings so much better when you're sober and you have such a better perspective and a clearer picture of what you're angry about and you can kind of figure out you know is it really worth being angry about and uh towards the end of my drinking career uh I realized I was just pouring gasoline on a fire of anger because what I was really angry about was that I was drinking too much. Um, that was the root of my anger. And then, you know, I would just look for things to be angry with, whether it was something on the news or somebody out in traffic or something just not going the way I wanted to go. And uh, 
it's it's a big thing now to realize and be sober and to be able to have a good perspective on what it is I get angry about. And I find now that when I run up against something that's not going my way or somebody isn't driving good in traffic, which I think a lot of people deal with these days, but I can, you know, slough it off and I don't let it get to me because it's not going to do me any good. It's it's like complaining about the weather. There's nothing you can do about it. You just, you got to live through it. And there's so much more good in the world to concentrate on. I don't want to waste my time being angry. I don't want to give myself heart problems. I don't want to cause stress in my life. Um, I want to be happy as much as I can. I mean, that's what life's all about. So, you know, it, it was something I, I didn't really want to talk to the person about who was, um, you know, angry over this thing. Because when you're angry and you're not in the mood to be, you know, to be calmed down, the last thing they want to hear is, hey, man, what you're angry about is silly. Um, you should really get over that. So. I just, I'm trying to figure out a way to relate that to people when I cross paths with them. But it's not going to be strangers I tend to do that with. I'm just going to try to be kind and do something I think, you know, whether it's just a smile or a kind gesture. Um, but when, it, when it's people that are in my inner circle, like family and close friends, I want to let them be angry and let them have their feelings because anger is a human trait. It's a feeling that we all have. Um, it's a way of de-stressing and it's a way of letting off steam and then you know be able to what I want to try to do is you know talk with them in a day or two later and bring it up again and see how they're feeling and try to explain my experience like I am now about you know the, the latter years of my drinking and how even when I wasn't drunk if it was just during the day um, I had a hot temper and I had no control of my anger and I was really impatient with things and I think that was residual alcohol in me from drinking the night before so it's a big thing to be able to regulate your feelings and to be con in control of um, not getting too angry not losing your temper because it's a hard thing to be around like when I was talking with this person you know I wanted to kind of tell him what I was feeling but at the same time I, I didn't because I didn't want it to blow up into a larger bonfire you know like it's like a, a bubbling qual um, what do you call it a bubbling quad quadrant whatever cauldron cauldron that's it and um, if you like egg them on or say the wrong thing it's like a volcano gonna go off and uh, I, I don't want that to happen but I do want to find ways to communicate my experiences and the way I was angry towards the end of my career. I, I do remember times when I was out golfing with friends and I would lose my temper at a bad shot and I would either throw the club or I would swear or I would hit my golf bag with my club and I did it once and I smashed my phone that was in the pocket of my golf bag and that's like instant karma like that's like your higher power telling you you know what you're out of control. You gotta figure out how to control this temper and it's alcohol that's making things worse. And um, a big thing about getting sober is you start realizing these kinds of things and you start, you start being conscious of the events that are happening around you. Um, you you're conscious of your anger. You're conscious of what makes you angry. You see it. And 
it's you get such a, a relaxed feeling around it as opposed to it being exaggerated and like the volume is turned up or the, the pouring the gasoline on the bonfire that's already a large bonfire so it was a big thing for me to realize and i really am happy with where i'm at now i'm really really happy being sober i'm i'm in a good place i like being in control of my emotions i i definitely have people telling me that um relating to me how much better i seem just how much calmer i am in general um how much i've changed since i've been sober and even like you know i look so much better both physically and my my energy is a a, a shiner more of a shiny glow or it, it's really an amazing thing to hear people notice it in me and that is such a reinforcement to wanting to be sober and to wanting to be who i am now who i've learned to be and uh it's an amazing thing i really I'm really happy that I found where I'm at and uh I want to keep going forward with what I'm going for. So um learning to control your anger, it's a big thing in life and learning that alcohol doesn't help it, it doesn't make the anger go away. It just it may just pause it for a while and that anger is going to build up and you're going to blow up at something that's really silly and not uh worth getting angry at. So um anyhow that's about all i got to share today it's a interesting uh experience this sobriety and i'm loving every minute of it my guest today is lexi lexi is an alcoholic with almost 2 years of solid recovery under her belt and she did it without rehab or any 12-step program. She got the help and support she needed from a rather surprising place. Well, surprising to me anyway. Lexi is also a recently divorced mother of two fairly young children, and she lives right across the street from a bar. Three factors that must have made her early recovery quite challenging, to say the least. So enough of my jibber-jabber. Let's hear what Lexi has to say. All right. Welcome to the podcast, Lexi. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling pretty well. I'm excited to be here. Good. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, I, uh, I'm excited to, to learn a little bit more about your story. I just learned a little bit um, on social media and stuff, but I think that this is going to be a little different. Your, your path into recovery is a little different than some of my other guests. I think that'll be... Um, something interesting um, for my audience to hear, you know, because I, I certainly believe that there's a lot of different ways to get there. And uh, some people seem like, you know, to believe that there's only one way to do it. And I think that the more we realize that there's a lot of different paths, um, then the more we can help other people, you know, get into to recovery with us. Yeah, of course. Um, so let's just start from the beginning. This is kind of how I work with, with all my guests. I'm just going to get, I want you to start from the beginning and talk about, um, you know, go to get, get in the way back machine and tell me how, um, how your relationship and with alcohol or, and, and drug and or drugs began how and when really, um, it started, you know, before things got really bad, you know, most of us, it wasn't so bad right away. 
It slowly no. built to that. So I guess yeah. tell us their origin story. How did it start? Um. Well, my uh, GLC was only alcohol. Like I don't, I've never touched like hard drugs or anything. Um, I just, I joke that I was like nine or 10 years old and my grandma passed the line around a wine cooler and to like me and my sister and her. And then I, I mean, as a teenager, you drink a little bit. You're like, oh, I'm so cool with this wine cooler or whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I really didn't start drinking until I would say my, I want to say it was my 19th birthday. Um, my sister made me chug like the bottom part of the Smirnoff bottle. <laughs> I don't remember 20 minutes later. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember 20 minutes later from that party. The only thing I remember from that party is all the photos that were taken. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, I just started drinking regularly from there. Um, turned 21, finally legally allowed to drink. Um, me and my, well, he's my now ex-husband. We were pretty big on going to, like, breweries, wineries. On our honeymoon, we stopped at four different wineries. Yeah. Driving to Nashville. Yeah. <laughs> Six-hour drive turned into 10. Good times, though. Um but it was really after I had my kids is when I feel like I started drinking even more like mm -hmm. and working from home with COVID because mm -hmm. like, oh, well, it's two o'clock. I'm at home. Man, what are they going to know? Like, yeah, I start drinking. Yeah, so, like, I, think that, I think that was an issue for for a lot of people who might have been kind of on the edge, like maybe their drinking is problematic, but they kind of kept it to the weekends. But then all of a sudden for two years. Or isolated yeah. and you're at home and there's no boss over your head you know or, or anything like that mm -hmm. and it made it easier and it's when you start putting it into like uh like your yeti cups mm -hmm. during like going out places when you know that there's somewhat of a problem there yeah i think even right before i got sober we went to a birthday party and there was no alcohol and i'm like How do i don't know what to do with myself mm -hmm. i don't know how to be a parent like without alcohol in my hand what am i doing when I got sober, um, it's because I asked my son, who was two and a half at the time, I said, is mommy a drunk? And he said, yes, jokingly. We all laughed about it. Yeah. We all laughed about it. He was the kid that would go to, I'd be like, mommy needs a beer. And he's like, okay, mommy, I'll go get you one. And he'd go to the fridge and got me a beer. So, like, clearly that's a problem. My, I have one friend that would always say, like, you are you did this while you were drinking. Maybe you should curb your drinking. Mm. Um, you should only have one or something. And I was like, no, like, I'm fine. Like, I don't, it's not a big deal. Like, not a big deal. And then when I decided to get sober, I realized, like, maybe she was right. So was there, was there, <laughs> was it like uh, that moment? So I know, like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Something like that with your son as a kid. He doesn't know what that means even really to be a drunk. And everyone laughs, but something hit you. Something hit me. Something and hit you in that moment? Was that kind of like the, the, the moment where you, you felt like things turned around? Yeah, I woke up. At, I don't know why I'm getting so emotional over this. Um, it's a big I deal. went to bed. And, um, and like, he's my younger one. So, like, I have a daughter. She's six and a half. He's four and a half. And she would, like, she knew that mommy had too many margaritas mm -hmm. on Sunday mornings. And I would lay in bed hungover, like, yeah. all Sunday mornings. And I, I didn't like that either. I didn't like being hungover every Sunday, every Saturday. Pretty much almost every day I felt like I was hungover. Yeah. But 
I was functioning. I would still go to work. I would still take care of them. And I was having so many drinks, like I would pass out before them. So like, that wasn't good. That moment when I asked him, I went to bed. I woke up. It was like 4.45 in the morning. I realized my sleep was, my sleep was atrocious anyways. It was not good. And I just downloaded a bunch of sober apps. Um, I am on TikTok. So I, like, I was, I would scroll through TikTok. I don't know if you know Brittany Jade is. She's pretty big in the sober community. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So she would always pop up on my page. And I'm like, I don't know, like, I don't really think I have a problem. Like, but I think she was one of the main, like, sources of, like, me staying sober, like, watching her story, knowing what she's overcome, everything like that. So I always give kudos to her. You know, like, yeah. I'm like, I was going to meet her one day. <laughs> I feel like, uh, I feel like there's, you were still having that moment, like, well, I don't know if I really have a problem. This is what, you know, a lot of us go through that phase where the, you weren't in that moment. The truth is, if you're downloading a bunch of sober apps and doing that kind of stuff and looking up, am I an alcoholic or whatever? Answer, yeah, that's, you have a problem. <laughs> that, that that, you. That's the point, you know, you have a problem. The answer so, is, yeah, you're like, I don't know, but you, you do. What's interesting here, I think about your story is that there wasn't like a, you know, obviously, all the signs it sounds like from you, from what you said, uh, were that you 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 needed to stop. You had a real problem. You're having facing all those things where you're not, uh, you know, physically healthy. Um, you're not present for your kids, like you said. You're still there, but you're sleeping in the morning, falling asleep too too soon at really? night, and and I uh, really can't do your best, you know, best job mm-hmm. as a mom. We, we know that. Um, yeah. And then you wake up and have this have this uh, moment. So you didn't have a uh, you know a rock bottom like you got fired, like uh, you got arrested or something crazy like that happened. No. You're lucky, you're one of the lucky ones. I do feel like I'm lucky for that aspect of knowing and having that self will because I didn't go to AA. Um, I actually I woke up, I downloaded those apps. It was noonish. It was a Sunday. It was a Sunday afternoon. My ex husband asked me if I wanted to be here, and I was like, no. No, it's like too early right now. And like, he didn't think anything of it. Right. Um, and then like probably two or three hours later, I like walked out to the garage and I was like, I think I'm going to stop drinking. And I just like started bawling. Like it was so hard for me to say that because like, he's never known me to not drink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you offer me a drink, I'm going to probably say yes. Yeah. <laughs> so he was like, okay, like we can go to the store. We can get, like he was super supportive about it. Like, right. Super I mean, he always was. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that that feeling when you say you started bawling and you said, I think I'm going to stop drinking. It's a, I think that's, I had a moment like that. I think a lot of us did. It's a moment where you realize now you've said it out loud, which makes it real. That was, that so, was what made it real. Like I said it out loud to somebody that wasn't. Somebody real. else who's going to have to hold you accountable. So now if you don't, you kind of, you know, you might feel bad for saying it and not doing it, right? So the longer mm-hmm. Um, and you said a lot and you also realize, I think I realized in, the, in that moment, like, oh, that means I'm admitting that I, I have a problem. problem and I've had a problem for a while, which means yeah. uh, it is, and in, in both of our cases, my kids were about the same age when I, when I stopped too. maybe they're a little bit older. And um, it made me realize in that moment, oh, I've, I consider myself this great parent, but I wasn't. Right, no. I wasn't doing anything horrible. They weren't, you know, seeing any like I wasn't sloppy falling down the stairs or, you know, being a, you know, 
like loud or angry or that kind of stuff but i wasn't and i, I went to all the things right i went to the game yeah you go to all the things like you're but you're i was there, I, but i'm but focused really on there? something else right we, we were it's an obsession of the mind they say you know addiction and alcoholism so when i was there i wasn't present you know so and now we see the difference you know once you get oh, in the clear like, oh, this is what it feels like yeah so different but it definitely helped my parenting yeah it, it changed it for the better like and it also made me finally go and get like my mental health checked out i mm -hmm. i always said i had adhd since i was literally a kid like in fifth grade i was like mom yeah like i have adhd they're like no you don't no you don't i'm like yes i do <laughs> yeah um but i didn't end up ever going to someone until i got sober and they were like oh yeah, you definitely got this in a mood disorder. So definitely got that going for you. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, I that's another thing we have in common. I did the same thing. Uh, I had thought about it for a long time, too. And then a couple of years into my uh, recovery, I went also and I went to see a, a neuropsychologist and did the whole screening and everything and the guy's like yeah you have you have adhd i'm like oh man i think you know some of that i'm like that kind of explains when you so look much. at the symptoms and this and the side effects of of of, of having untreated adhd a lot of it's it, the addiction yeah it's the it's, addictions right there and impulse control all those things are affected by it um and just knowing you know so part of me was like oh man i wish i knew earlier but you can't do that i can't go back and can't go uh, you know we're just here now and it's helped me a lot to know that now I think to as part of my story and what I need to keep an eye on and and to understand why I am the way I am <laughs> yeah uh I wanted to check I don't know I feel like the months just go by so fast right now I'm like how many months am I hitting 21 months in three days all right yeah, three days. So approaching the your two years yeah um well, because I actually got sober. This is how I tell my story. I got sober on August 1st, 2021. I posted on TikTok. That was my accountability. Like, that was my AA. That was my support system was TikTok. I posted on there. I grew my niche on there. Um, so then I went to my cousin's wedding. I mean, who said I was going to be sober for a long time anyways? So <laughs> yeah, I it's thinking, a wedding, of all things. Like, the wedding. I, I I a, a wedding. Yeah, it's like the hardest place to not to not drink. So I did, I'm drinking, like, probably like three or four drinks. I had the worst headache. Mm -hmm. The worst headache by then. And I was like, I got in the car and I was like, no, we're starting over tomorrow. That's great. We are staying sober. I'm glad. I'm glad you didn't. It didn't turn out to be like a fun night. It might have taken you another two years to to try again. You know. Yeah. So I, you should be thankful for that headache. <laughs> God, that <laughs> was the worst. That's interesting. You mentioned TikTok. Um, this is kind of what I wanted to get to about your different road into recovery. So this has been, like you said, it's like your AA. So tell me what that looks like. You know, I'm an old guy. I don't know, you know, enough about TikTok. <laughs> I'm I'm still learning this stuff. Uh, so tell me, how, how does it work? How is how have you used it for your recovery and uh, and to help hold you accountable and stuff like that? How has it helped you? Um, well, I posted about deciding to get sober and the support in the recovery community on TikTok. It really could be, honestly, it's amazing. I honestly believe it's amazing, but it has like hit or miss. Some people are very like, no, 
you're not an addict because you didn't do this or like that was a lot of that was some of my a comments little like, a little judgy ah, like, sometimes like, yeah oh well this person was an alcoholic in my life and you're nothing like them and I was like well, you don't know what was going on I I am 100% a strong believer of you do not know what happens behind closed doors and it doesn't concern them if you think you're an alcoholic then you're an alcoholic some people that it, that happens in in the AA meetings too uh mm -hmm. you know <laughs> and I always think, you know, that's something in their story that's making them feel like you didn't earn your seat in here. Yeah. Like nothing to do with me. Uh, and generally, same thing in the AA meeting, it sounds like. Most people are really great, really supportive. And then you mm -hmm. put that, the, the one, the squeaky wheel. You got that, like, say, I met my best friends on TikTok in the sober community. I actually just went on a TikTok sober trip to Florida at the end of last month with six other girls, well, there's five other girls with me, all sober, all for different reasons. Wow. And you, and you all met through TikTok. Yep. Mm -hmm. And you did a sober trip together. That's really great. So you know what? I mean, like that just kind of gave me goosebumps. Like to think about that as like a positive thing that brought you guys together to go do this. And that and also like it's having fun and doing a trip while in recovery, which is something that mm -hmm. we kind of forget about. Um, yeah. And like, you know, TikTok has gets a bad rap for a lot of stuff, right? Yeah. And, and I know, like, you know, so my kids are all over TikTok, or at least one of them is. And uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, guys, watching this too much, or who knows what he's looking at, or whatever. And then you read in the news, not just the other day, banned in Montana, right? I saw that. <laughs> but this, this is like a story. Like, this is this is ones you don't you don't hear this. And I I feel the same way uh, with Instagram and Twitter. For me, I'm finding this recovery community that that kind of uh, I think it's part of social media that people don't talk about that there is really great support groups for people struggling with different issues whatever it might be addiction alcoholism mental health issues it's uh, so much bigger than like people only hear about the bad and they're like oh well this is so bad it's like I have met the best of my friends on TikTok I have met the most supportive people on social media like yeah if I, I have TikTok i I don't think I'd be sober right now. Yeah, I was just gonna say there's it's there's a you know it, it might not even be a stretch to say uh, that it like it's helping to save your life. Mm -hmm. You know, like if alcoholism goes further down the road, it doesn't end well. You know, exactly. And so for me, like you know, rehab and and AA, I, I do believe that saved my life. Without it, I couldn't do it by myself. I needed something else, and you and needed okay. something else. And yours was was is took TikTok. Just and, me, like. I've had my moments. I live across the street from a bar. <laughs> and funny. there was so many nights I would just text my friends and say, tell me no, tell me no. Yeah, it's great. And that was my biggest thing. Like, yeah, I would like, just keep myself in the house. Like, I knew if I didn't go and I didn't have my first drink, I wouldn't drink. Yep. You, the first one we can control, right? We can we can make the decision whether we're going to have to pick up that first one. After that, all bets are off. You're, you know, you're, yep. not gonna, you're not gonna stop. That's great. I, Another key concept that, that also fits in with AA is like uh, you're telling on yourself. So you're having those feelings and you have this community of people and you said, hey, I'm, I'm struggling. I wanna go, tell me not to, right? Because as soon as you tell yourself, now you got a bunch of people reaching out and helping you. I post like TikToks about like how many days sober I am, how many months, what keeps me sober, um, what's helped me stay sober kind of things like that and I sometimes I do feel like I'm like a baby in the recovery community because I right. I didn't go through the rehab I didn't go to AA I didn't have like my rock bottom but I had that epiphany like 
I need to stop drinking. Yeah. Because my kids are only getting older mm-hmm. and I am missing out on their life as well. Yeah. Like they keep me sober. Like, you know, everyone says like, well, how could you, you know, how could addicts and alcoholics keep using? Hey, you have kids. You love your kids. Well, we, we do, but we don't. We're, we're so distracted by this other obsession to, you know, to yeah. keep numbing or doing whatever it is that we're escaping through that we don't realize really the damage we're doing or, or, you know, how, how much better life can be until you, until you get into recovery and you get clean and sober and then things start to get better. And then it takes the, the fog clears. You know, like, Oh, you realize like, wow, I missed out on so much. Yeah. I hated putting my kids to bed. Yeah. I would, I would want to be at the party downstairs and yeah. because I would want them to be asleep right away. Yeah. Because I just wanted to keep drinking. Like I, yeah. I, I wanted to be at the party. Like I wanted to be drinking, especially as a single mom now, like those, some days are harder than others, but yeah, I mean, yeah, that's I do. Favorite. I love being able to like go to bed with them and not worry. Am I squishing them or like, did yeah. I roll over or like something like that? Because, I will say I I coastal with my kids and it was not probably the best situation. Like yeah. I was drinking and they were still laying in bed with me. Like, yeah, who knows could have happened? Yeah. So like I I got really lucky in that sense. I got really lucky. Um, but that moment yeah. when he asked me, that will hands down forever be like that was a key moment, like core moment. Like yeah, the kid I mean, knows a two and a half year drunk. Yeah, it, 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 it's it, funny. It, it, it shocked. It just gave you that little shock that to your system that that got you, pushed you in the right direction. I think it's it's pretty great how you've done this, how you managed to do that on your own, and how you managed to carry it, carry it on for this whatever almost two years now with the support from from uh, you know friends on on TikTok and the community it, on social media. Um, I think that that really is a another path that that we got to be honest about is is there for people and yeah you're right you still are like a bit of an exception like most people have to you know do maybe they they use the community on uh, social media but they also started by going to rehab uh yeah. to detox and clean up for a month um or did aa for a while or still do aa and use the yeah. the social media um but I'm feeling more and more people um, because those those communities and social media are growing and mm-hmm. um, that more and more people might find their way into recovery without having to, you know, someone have to stage an intervention and drag them off to rehab. <laughs> they might be inspired like um, to do it in that way. Um, so that's a good thing. So like there's one, one, uh, one check in the pro column, <laughs> social media. <laughs> TikTok. Yes. I always been, I mean, I'm 32, so I grew up with MySpace and Facebook and mm-hmm. like social media has been my life. Like, right. So I'm I'm a pro social media person. And yeah. I think there's there is really good on social media if you find it. Like yeah, and I think that there's I think that so I'm almost 50. Uh I'm gonna say it 49. I'm just gonna say it out loud now. I'm 49. <laughs> uh, so right. I think right between your age and my age, that that that's the difference because I didn't have any of it, and then you're just uh, you know, enough younger than me where you had it like you're, you're from your teenage years on, and I just missed it. So there's a difference between us, and that I, I think it's all like our key brains because at that point our brains are still growing, and then it's yeah. like the people already in their twenties are like we're set in our ways already. <laughs> like- exactly, exactly. <laughs> then we feel like the old old people. Uh, but yeah, but so yeah, I think that's a key. Not- I think that's right. <laughs> 
uh, I think that's the key, though, because um, we just have to, those of us who didn't grow up with it, um, need to keep our minds open to the positive parts of it as well. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, for those of us with kids, I mean, the, the fact that you've been, you know, grown up with it and and it's been part of your life as long as you can remember, that means you also know the bad parts of it. And so, I mean, you, yeah, you can keep an eye on your kids when it gets to, to be I, the I do. And how they, they, they have TikTok. They, right. they go on it. They scroll. I'm listening to what they're watching and I'm like, you can't be watching this. And then, right. like, you know, on TikTok, you can click it and hit like not interested or not like something to like, don't play this again. Right. Yeah. So like there is ways to stop that. And it will um, slowly filter out the, the stuff that you mm -hmm. don't want them to to uh, you know to be to be seeing yeah so that's good too so you know that that's other dangerous part is like there's people who have kids who don't understand how it works and then the kid then it just slides by and they don't you know and parents don't know or they don't check or they don't know how to look or how to you yeah. know keep an eye mm -hmm. on it so that's good that's good that you're obviously you're a pro you know what you're, <laughs> you know what you're doing not the biggest pro but i have always had my friends go Hey Lexi, how do you work this? I'm like, Google's my best friend. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, you, you can YouTube it, whatever it is, you can figure it out. But, but don't tell them that. That's my secret. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so just uh quickly, I want to get into it. You said that that um, you know, your 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 ex was supportive at the time, and then but you still you ended up getting divorced, right? And so you were going yeah. through divorce in early recovery. Um, as was I, uh, yeah. and so I, I know what, I know what that's like. Um, but t tell the audience a little bit about what your experience was with that. Cause that like having to go through something really difficult, especially when you're first dealing with being sober or getting rid of that crutch that we had before. Uh, now you're facing something cause even the best divorces are hard. So I think sobriety made me realize I was drinking to cope in our relationship like I was afraid to leave the relationship years prior like when we should have been divorced and um so it took it took me into sobriety to realize like all right like I would definitely use alcohol to cope with this and we were both walking on eggshells he still is super supportive of my um sobriety journey actually he he got me my a one-year trip uh -huh. I was just talking about it, like, because I didn't go to A, and, like, some, right. somebody else mentioned something about a chip once, and I was like, I don't have one of those. You're missing out <laughs> on all those coins. I got a whole drawer full. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I just had it. I just had it. I should have brought it over here when I first got it. So, like, he got me my first one. Oh, there you go. That's nice. That's a fancy one. It's very fancy. <laughs> <laughs> it's got diamonds on it. That's right. You pawn it. No. No, no. Okay, I'm just kidding. There's my no. addict mind. The addict in me just went to like, pawn it. Make some money to use it for the alcohol. Like, right. No. Uh, no. So then, so, so, but even though, the, uh, like you said, you had a, like an amiable divorce, as I did, it's still, you're dealing with tough emotions. It's like the end yeah. of this relationship that if, at, at one time you thought was going to be forever uh, and you're thinking mm -hmm. about your kids and that and what that's going to look like and you're doing it with a clear head you're facing that that, that issue mm -hmm. head on and that's really hard yeah. in those yeah, we're superhuman okay like to go through a divorce sober is a different experience yeah everyone you know that's divorced is like oh well, just go drink your just go drink and like you'll it'll be fine it's like you're just drinking away the emotions you're not feeling the emotions yeah so like 
it's going to take you longer to go through those feelings because you are, you keep drinking those feelings away. Yeah. They're so just like, being pushed down in there. They're going to bubble up sometime somewhere. Exactly. Like, so I was able to cry it out and feel the feelings. And there was many days that were very, very hard. And yeah. if I didn't, I have friends in real life. If I did not have them, I, I don't know. I don't know how I would have made that. Yeah, it's another journey that needs where you need a support group, you know, and you and doing two things at once that need a group of support. Yeah. I, sometimes I'm like, man, I'm pretty needy. I'm, I'm le leaning on people all over the place, but that's the only way to do it. Uh, and yeah. you, I think that the benefit, the big payoff in the end is you now you have a, a still a good relationship with your ex, as as do I, which which makes co-parenting. Like, uh, which is also hard in the best situations, but it makes it way easier. We get along. We're friends, you know, and raising a kid, raising kids with a, a friend is much easier than raising kids with an enemy. Yeah. And I feel for anyone who doesn't have it the way that we have it. Like, yeah. it's, it's got to be so hard. Um, but, um, I, I, I think that, like, that, that's what, I mean, this is another really positive a message for for people in the audience to hear which is being sober uh or giving up drugs and alcohol and then going through something hard like a like a divorce or a death in the family it's possible and and not only is it possible in the end really it's better it's not worse it's mm -hmm. better it feels harder in the moment because you're thinking about well, if i could just drink i wouldn't be thinking about it but that's we know that's not true it's that that would be worse and it would have taken longer. Maybe it doesn't end so well. Maybe your relationship with your ex isn't isn't it the same as it is now. Um, so not only is it possible, um, it's better. And in the end, right. it makes things easier, right? It feels yeah. harder. <laughs> like thinking thinking about it seems harder. But yeah, like going back and looking at those moments, like oh my god, how was I gonna make it? So like everyone goes one day at a time, and I am very strong on one minute at a time. Yeah. Like I would count to 30 seconds i would count to a minute and then i would start over yeah like if i can make it through this one minute without walking out the door i can make it another one minute without drinking i can yep. make it another minute like so i'm huge on like one minute at a time yeah that's huge and, and especially with cravings when you have those strong urges to to drink or to use um like the 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 research shows that like really it's like seven minutes like max if you can make it through It'll pass. You're not going to, once you get that crave, like, oh my God, I really want to drink. It's not going to stay there all day. If you can just like keep your butt on the couch <laughs> yeah. it, while that set, until that seven minutes passes or whatever, or 30 seconds or one minute. I didn't uh, know that. That's it'll go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy because it does feel, it's so powerful. That's what I think non addicts, non alcoholics might not understand that it's not like, oh man, because everyone's, not everyone, most people have had a feeling like, man, I wish I could have a drink right now. You're right. I, I can, but yeah. that's not what it is. It's not like I. I wish I could have a burger uh, right now. It is like a like a. It's a magnet. Just yeah. It's like just it. just just go. Like go to the store. It's not that big of a deal. Like you can drink one. Like you made this long. You can moderate it. Mm -hmm. No, and no, it's, like it's, it's a mental fight with your brain. Yeah. It's a mental fight. And, like, it's, and it's and it's much much like harder than it sounds to just fight that that craving. Uh, but the more you do it and the more times that you sit through the passes, then the easier it gets next time. Because you go, hey, last time it felt like I had to do it and I didn't. And, and then I, I, was really proud. And I was really proud of myself for not doing it. Right. 
Yeah, but I can do it again. I know I can. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's where the support group comes in handy too. They remind yeah. you. They, they can remind you of that. Oh um, yeah. All right. Well, before we wrap it up, Lexi, I would I like to end each um, episode with some gratitude. So I think we, you know, if we can each talk about one thing we're we're uh, grateful for today, uh, I think that's a, a nice way to end it. You want you want to go first? Um, I'm just grateful for like this opportunity, and that I feel better today. I've been stuck all week, right? <laughs> um, I'm just grateful for like being sober and having a life with my kids that I didn't think was gonna happen. Yes, that's great. That's plain mm-hmm. and simple, and that's an easy one. And I think talking to you, to me, uh, it, it brought right up those feelings about my kids, too. So today I'm especially grateful after this conversation um, for how much uh, more present I am with my kids and how much more I can enjoy the time with them and help raise them to be uh, good men one day. <laughs> I can't, can't believe that one day they're going to be men. But <laughs> my men. daughter, she's in her last week of first grade first grade i don't know where that time went yeah no kidding Uh, (laughs) so 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 thank you for helping me like think about that and realize that today um and thank you so much for coming on and telling your story i am sure that that there's going to be uh people listening who are who are going to learn something and uh and you're going to inspire them to either keep on the road they're on or or to uh maybe check out the recovery community on tiktok uh lexi (laughs) charms L-E-X-Y Chums. Okay, Lexi Chums. Got it. We're, they're going to find you. You're going to get billions of new followers from my audience. I will take it all. <laughs> <laughs> of course. If I can help right. you stay sober, let me know. That's right. Well, thank I you. have a bunch of friends on there, too, that are also the sober community. Thank you, Lexi. I really appreciate it. Of course. You're welcome. Wow. That was awesome. Thanks again to Lexi for coming on the show today and for being so open and honest about her experience. I could definitely relate to so much of her story and she opened my mind to one more of the many possible paths to a healthy recovery. In the end, all that matters is that you get there. The how and why aren't really that important. At least that's how I feel. If you, too, learned something from Lexi, or if you just appreciated hearing her story, please be sure to rate and review the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, you know the rest. And again, please click the support this podcast link if you have a few extra bucks in the budget and you're feeling generous today. Also, as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns about the podcast or about my book that you'd like to share with me, or if you would like to be a future guest on the podcast, maybe, please feel free to drop me a note at betweenthelinesmemoir at gmail.com. Or you could just spread the word, tell a friend if you have one, or maybe... You can share this episode on social media, maybe TikTok, like Lexi. Or maybe you could just choose a few people on your list of contacts who who might appreciate the episode and forward it to them right now. Remember, the bigger the audience, the bigger the impact. Either way, thanks to all of you for listening today. And in the wise 
Wise words of my Uncle Dave. Keep it simple, be humble, and hope for the best. See ya.